I'm Adam Hergenrother and welcome to Business Meets Spirituality. This is a show for leaders and high achievers who've experienced success on the outside and still feel like something is missing in their life, who have made money and accomplished big goals, but then ask themselves, is this all there is? After all, business is nothing but a conduit for your personal growth. Need nothing and enjoy everything. This is Business Meets Spirituality. Welcome back, folks. Super excited to be here today. Uh, we are going to jump in to talk about um, a difference in job and leadership. And I want to start by telling a story of something that happened just recently in our company that I think will help people that are in this world, whether you are an employee, whether you are a business owner, whether you're going through this or you haven't gone through this yet, you will at some point in your business career. So last week, there was an interview for a leadership position in one of my companies. And um, we all met with the individual and it was great. And we had a good opportunity to, everyone got to explore this individual. And the individual wasn't the actual conversation. It was just part of the trigger part of the story. And so he came up and then it was there. And then later on, a couple of days after people had met with him that are all part of my other leadership organizations, or they run different divisions and companies, met with this individual that came to somebody in our company and said, hey, why wasn't I considered for this position? And, and so it kind of sparked this conversation. And of course, this individual brought it to me and, and, and there was some other feedback that was going on in that conversation too, that initially kind of, um, disturbed me, meaning not disturbed, like it was like bad what they said. I mean, it actually personally hit my stuff, right? It's kind of like what we talk about as in business, you got to be able to let things go and know how to respond to and, and, and know how to serve the people around you. I made it a personal conversation of being like, wow, this feels like not necessarily an attack, but it just, it's like, you, this happens, right? In, in everyday business, when people come to you with things, we make these things personal. And I knew that it was happening, right? It's always like this phase when you're going through this, like you can see it, that it's not really personal, but yet it freaking feels personal, right? It's like right there in front of you. Like last night, my son, we were outside for a walk and this is a story within a story, by the way. Um, and my son was out for a walk with I and it was like seven o'clock at night. It was dark and we came back inside and he runs in my bedroom right before he goes to bed. And he's like, dad, because I just got scared. I go, why? He goes, man, I feel like somebody's watching me. Hmm. I was like, what do you mean watching you? He's like, yeah, when I was outside and I saw a ninja rolling and, uh, and, and I know he was, he's going to, he's going to be there. He's watching me. And I feel, I feel like he's just there. And so we walked in and so my guy brushed his teeth with him and I got him into bed and he's like, I'm like, dude, why aren't you getting underneath the covers? He's like, I don't know. I'm a little scared to get underneath the covers. So it was a great opportunity for me to explain to him that his thoughts are not real. And so I literally, I said, what is real about your thought? I said, just ask the question. He goes, well, it's just, I said, is it, where is it? I said, point to it. I said, it's not real. I said, the only place that it's real is in your mind. I said, it's actually not real at all. And so it was a great opportunity to take 10 minutes in everyday life to explain to my son, who's five, <laughs> that his thoughts are not real, that they feel real, but they're not real. They feel real because you're engaging emotions, you're engaging your thinking patterns, your mind's such an incredible, incredible organ that um, gives this ability to see things, then create an audible and then feel it too as well. So I just explained that. And then of course, a few minutes later, he kind of, we distracted him from that. So I'm hoping that conversation set in there, but it's the same thing in, the, in, in our lives. We see it clearly when it's somebody else, but then all of a sudden we're in a business setting and every day somebody comes to us and says something that doesn't feel good. It hits our stuff, right? And when I say meaning it hit the stuff, all I mean is that it disturbs you. It makes you, it doesn't mean like somebody punched you, right? It didn't really actually feel like it hit you, but that you can feel it in your gut. 
gut, right? You feel it in your gut, the kind of like, ooh, that kind of hurt a little bit, mostly because it didn't match our expectations of how the world should be, right? Or it didn't match how we thought we viewed the situation as well too. And so that's what I mean by hitting the stuff. So anyways, I kind of did that. I know this goes on. So I kind of sat back for a second. I took it in and I just realized it's not personal and kind of you got to, whatever mantra you got to use, whatever process you do as a run or journaling or meditation, there's all great techniques, but at the end of the day, you just got to let it go. And so that's ultimately what I did is I just kept every time it would kind of hit. And by the way, this intensified throughout the night. Like as I got further away from it, like I got, it was also involving um, somebody that's close to me. So it kind of it just it intensified over a 24-hour period. And I woke up the next morning and it was one of my first thoughts. And that typically doesn't happen for me. And I was like, Jesus, what the fuck's going on? And so I was like, I really got to let this part of me go that wants to be right, right? And I was like, man, I want, because I'm in the right. I want to be right. So anyways, I just really worked on this. And um, I just slowly kept just, every time I'd come in there, three, two, one, relax, three, two, one, relax, three, two, one, relax. Just kind of kept letting it go. The reason why this is so important in this conversation is because you can't solve the problem. You can't fix the solution. You can't have an engaged conversation with somebody if you're coming in at bringing personal stuff to the conversation. You can't solve any of that. So it's really important to understand as a leader, when you're going through this, that it may not be appropriate to have the conversation the next hour you hear this news because you may be coming from a part of you that's not a place that you actually want to come from. So understand that your boundaries around this. And I had originally set this up for, I think it was happened this, I heard this on a Friday, we set it up on a Tuesday, right? So Saturday morning, I really worked on letting this go. And then I journaled a lot about it. what I actually did in the journaling. I actually framed the entire conversation of how I wanted to see, not every word, but I framed what I wanted to do. And then I just re- worked backwards and I said, okay, let me, see, let me put myself in their eyes, in their shoes. Let me see how this would, how this would come if I was talking to them, so I just was able to take their positioning and say, how would this feel? And then I changed things around. And then when I was in the kind of moment of just coming from their side, I had this image come in there about the separation of job versus leadership. Now, saying the two words isn't like, you've all heard them, right? Job, leadership, and they're different things. But in the framework of this context, and I'll continue to explain the story so it's powerful for you, um, it just came to me right there. And so then I started writing out what it was. And so essentially, I kind of let that go. I framed the whole conversation. And then I just continued to let go throughout the weekend. And it got much better and didn't disturb me. And then on Monday morning, I woke up engaged and excited. And I was like, well, this is still two days away. And then I said, you know what? I'm ready to have this conversation now. And I really actually want it because I think I, I know that they're wanting to have this conversation now too. And it's warranted. So anyway, so I had it on Monday instead of Tuesday, I switched it around. And how I started off the conversation, again, I'm just walking you through the steps of how I attacked this problem. Um, before I went into the conversation, I also, I, I knew they're in there. I also walked for a second. I just said, this is, this is, this is the serve. This is not for you to, this is before I walked into the actual meeting. I just said, this is an opportunity for you to serve. You step back and serve the individual. You're doing this to allow them to grow, not for you to be right, not for you to, even if you are right, it doesn't matter if you're right or not. It's, it's, you're, do, you're doing it to, to allow somebody else the opportunity to grow. So you, that's what I mean by centering yourself. I, we talked about before, if you listen to the podcast before, about before you show up for work, every morning when I get out of my truck, before I do, I center myself and I do the exact same thing. I'm just, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. And the first couple of times you say it, like nothing really changes, but like ultimately it, it's slow, slow, slow. And then you just kind of just naturally ingrained in this. And that's the same thing I do before most of my conversations, but actually every time before I get on this podcast, I just think to myself, I'm here to serve. What does the audience want to hear? And it's the same type of situation when we brought into this conversation um, with this individual. Before you uh, dive into how you um, framed that conversation, can you just because we circled around a little bit. What was the problem that you were going in to solve? Yeah, that so the, conversation. Yes, thank you. Pulling back there. So the conversation was this individual was 
there was a couple three things that were there, but one of them was why wasn't why weren't they considered for this leadership opportunity? And it was a leadership opportunity that, that was considered for, and they weren't even asked. And he said, "I probably wouldn't. Have, they probably wouldn't have taken it, but why wasn't I considered for it?" And um, so that was the problem that we were solving. Again, problems are nothing but puzzles. And, and then I started asking myself, "Well, this is a puzzle. How do I solve it?" Right? And all these type of questions are different. Are all different supporting techniques to kind of to release yourself so you're not tied up in this. So that was that was ultimately a problem. And there were some a couple other feedback items that happened along with it that are, are not nearly as important as just why wasn't I considered about the leadership one. So that was the problem that we were solving. So then when I came into the conversation, how I started framing this, I said, look, I you want you have to understand that from a job perspective, on a job perspective, you're nailing it. You're killing it. You're doing everything in your job that I could ask for for the most part. Right. And I said on a scale of one to 10, you're an eight or a nine. I said, and, and kind of funny and jokingly in the conversation, I said, the only thing you need to boot work on is like your time management, but most of us do. So anyways, so I just said, you know, you got to work in time a little bit, but I said, from a job's perspective, you're great. And I also further went in there and said, look, this has nothing to do with whether or not you'll be in my company. Like, I understand, understand that. Like, you are you're a great asset. You're loyal. You're loyal to the company. We love having you here from the job-specific angle. So it's not like, you know, wherever this conversation goes, it's not like your employment at risk at all. It's not like, so just check that box and move it aside. So it's almost like they can just go breathe for a second. Because remember, if you're a leader and you're in there, people are always somewhat worried about that. So just, I just wanted to, to not have that be a thought in their mind so it could actually get through in the conversation. So I just went through a kind of a little five-minute spiel similar to what I did right there about explaining that and explaining that this has nothing to do with your job performance from a job perspective. Remember, the question was, why wasn't I considered for a leadership opportunity, right, in the, in the larger overall company? So I, I started to explain this. So your job's great. You're doing it. You have nothing to worry about for your employment. You're, you're, cr- you're crushing it and you're killing it. I, l- I love you. Like, you're great. So just check that box. And because what it does, is it just diffuses the situation. There's no this heightened anxiety about like, well, am I doing a good job? My job, right? And so anyway, so then that part. And I said, well, here's the question. I said, so knowing that you're secure in your job and for what you're doing, unless something you do unethical or something like that, like, just check that box, put it aside. Go to the leadership conversation. Now, you can take whatever you want from this conversation and you can take it and wear it and try it or you can just, you know, throw it out afterwards. It's up to you. You take it. I'm doing this for you. This is not for me. This is for you. And I said, you're, you're warranted for this conversation and I think this is a great opportunity to have it. And so I said, on a scale of one to 10 in leadership, you're about a three or four. And then I went in specifically about what this individual needs to work on. And so I created a game plan and that changes differently for everybody. But for this individual, you know, is, is I'm not going to go into necessarily all the details about it, but it's, it's, they, it's very much that they need to be in control. They need to feel powerful um, and not necessarily in a way to like that they're doing it to harm anybody. They're just, that's just naturally their way of feeling in control of the situation. And so, um, because they, if they can control it then they can do it. So there's all these little things they were doing all along that weren't necessarily a great way of being a leader that would give them the illusion of control amongst people and other things in the situations. So I literally sat for about 30 minutes and explained to them what they do and how they do it in a very um, kind of orchestrated way so they could see it without them being worried about their job or their job performance so they could actually take in information. And so I wanted to diffuse that so that they weren't in this heightened state. I also explained to them and say, look, as soon as we kind of get in this conversation, understand that your egoic consciousness, that little mind inside you is going to go crazy. 
and it's probably going to want to hate me. It's probably going to want to tell me why I'm wrong. Every part of it, it's it's going to create immediate argument that you're probably right, right? And I know you're there. So just for a second and stay in this conversation, keep that at bay. Just if you want to go buy into that afterwards, you're going to, because it doesn't matter who it is. You, you're right and you're right, right? Nobody ever does anything not thinking they're right, whether it's right in terms of society or right in somebody else's mind. People don't really necessarily do things unless they feel like they're right in the moment. Now, it doesn't mean outside the moment that people don't think that they're wrong, but in that moment when they do something, they think they're right or they can't control it. So anyways, I explained all of that in there. And so this kind of led to a larger conversation. So it, it went, the conversation went over very well. Um, they actually took the feedback much better than I, Hallie was in the room too, and much, much better, not, not better than I thought they would. They just, they actually took it in a way that they actually want to make improvements on themselves. That's the way that I mean from them, not meaning that like they took it and were like, okay with it. I actually think that they didn't really argue with me. They, they actually said it's spot on and it was very, it, the way we presented it and laid it out was very in a way that they could see it from a different angle. And so all I was trying to do is unlock something inside them so they could see a different thing. And part of the other thing is, is in leadership, people, like take a room, right? People see leadership in their job um, a lot of times as, as, as kind of separate. Like they're kind of looking at like their job. Well, they do two things. One is like leadership and job doesn't have to be separate. It's in the same room, but a lot of us are looking in one corner of the room and that's our job. Or we're looking in the other corner of the room and that's just leadership. We're understanding if they can step back and see all of it, that you have a job and you have leadership. And when you can do both of those together, that's what makes you a really tremendous person to be around in any organization. Again, whether you're an employee, whether you're a visionary, whether you're an owner, whether you're a force multiplier, right? Whatever you are in your life, and you can see the whole room, gives you a different perspective and a different angle on things, which is a powerful, not in a greedy, self-indexed powerful way, but a powerful way because then you can help solve the problems for the organization. And I also think that when people get caught up in one angle of the room, they're also limiting the, the, the ability for their whole organization to grow because they're constantly being... Um, driven by a different part of them versus opening that up and being able to see that there's a much larger part that they can continue to rise, which raises everybody up in the entire organization. So then this kind of led into a larger conversation that I just started sharing um, with other leaders in my organization because it, I think it just went over well and I, and I really like the concepts, hence why I'm sharing it with you because people also had some good feedback around this. So what I would ask you to do is when you're looking at this is to ultimately, and through this story, is to look at when you show up for work, there's a, you have a job, right? Everyone has a job to do. And then there's also leadership. So by bifurcating the two, so you can actually start seeing the difference, you, you're able to not, this isn't a judgment. This isn't about like, hey, I'm better than you this, you're better than that. It's nothing to do with that. This is about you, right? This is about who you are, why you're here, how you grow, how do you gain deeper level of enrichment through experiences, which is ultimately looking at, okay, how, where am I at my job? Maybe you are a, you know, a, you know, a three on your job, right? And you just know that you're, there's not doing that, but maybe you're killing it on leadership. Maybe you need to up your job so that you can combine the room together so both will merge. Maybe you are doing a really good job in your job in like this scenario, and you really need to improve in your leadership. In either phase, you can create a plan, an, an actionable item plan strategically. So for, in, for each one of those, so either leadership or job. So in this one, what we did is we laid out a plan of like, okay, these are the things that we're going to do. Here's the books that I want you to read. And then we set up a follow-up time to make sure that we're, that I'm showing that I'm engaged and I want him to bring back the feedback that they had 
um, about the book, about what they saw themselves, and how they brought what we talked about into their workplace to make them a better human being, right? It's just because what you do here and you're working on yourself here, that's the whole point of businesses kind of for, for personal growth is this conversation. For me, the growth was I get to let go of a part of me. I get to get some stress up that's obviously being hit, right? And let that up. I get to work on solving the puzzle. Then I get to grow from this and then bring these standards or principles of how you approach these conversations to everyone else in the leadership team. And the individual going through this gets to unlock a part of them so they can start seeing the different angle of the room and start bringing that awareness into themselves and then share that experience. Actually, at the end of the conversation, they're like, you can use me as a guinea pig, right? Like, I'm like, I'm not going to share this to anybody, but they're like, you can use me as a guinea pig. I actually want to do it. Telling me that like, hey, I know I'm going to change, so I don't care who I am now. And that was a powerful part of the conversation was they were like, literally, you can use me as a guinea pig for this because I want to. And that's and, and part of the reason why I didn't have this conversation, this person's been with me for a while, is because they weren't ready to hear it. If I, if I had, at least now they were, but a year ago, I mean, Hallie knows, 18 months ago, 24 months ago, they weren't there yet. And this was a great opportunity. So when life unfolds, they brought this issue up. Great. That's when I was like, it's time. It's time for us to have this conversation because right. you're ready to hear it. Right. And I think he saw such a direct re- correlation to job. I didn't get it. Why not? Yes. And then, and we were able to kind of outline that. Yes, exactly. And so I think we can do this with ourselves too, is we can start rating ourselves, not in a way to judge each other, right? Or even judge or feel bad about yourself. Look, if you're one on both categories, you're one, right? Who cares? Being clear with what reality is at allows you to actually move forward. And that's why I was sharing that example. He said, you can be guinea pig. He goes, I know I'm here, but I'm so confident that I'm willing to work on myself that I'm going to get here. So I'm not embarrassed about where I am. And I think that's the part about understanding who we are as we start asking that question that de- look, the question of who you are is going to be asked at every single level of your life. So when you're, when you're first learning that kind of question, like, who am I? Why am I here? Who you are? That kind of, that I heard a phrase today, the, the yearning for authenticity, which I loved of the, that. This kind of just means that yearning for authenticity is like, who am I? Right? Forget about spirituality or business. Like, who am I? Why am I here? There's a, there, people are starving for these answers. And I think it, it boils down to that authenticity of like, who really, like, who am I? And that's you get to be who you are. Now, and I don't forget about it in just any context you're doing that. As you ask those questions of who am I, at the surface level, they'll go down one layer, then one layer, then one layer. And as you keep building upon the foundation of asking that question, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Just like when you dig a hole, you dig the first layer, then the second layer, and the third layer, and ultimately over time, it gets deeper. The same thing with that question, who am I? Why am I here? goes very, very, very deep. When you hear people say that very, very deep, all it means is they've been asking it longer and just keep asking the same question to understand that authenticity, that yearning for it, that kind of starving for these, these answers. Again, this is why we do this podcast is because I actually brought up an email that I wrote almost six years ago about asking the same question about, hey, I'm struggling I asked one of my mentors, I said, look, I'm struggling of, of this whole question of how do you have business and spirituality? And it's just, I've been on this quest asking that same question, right? For a long period of my life of just how do you have both, right? And, and that's part of it. Is, and so all the work that we're doing here is kind of self-indexed because I'm just working on myself, but then I'm kind of sharing it with you about kind of going through this because it's just been such a powerful question that has served my life. Like, okay, how do you have both? How do you accomplish big goals and be an achiever, yet be spiritual? And I don't mean spiritual like we're floating around, right? I mean, like, how do you 
have authenticity with yourself? How do you be yourself? How do you answer those deep questions that you have? And each part of business, as we just walked through that example, gives that opportunity to let go of you to find out who you are at the deepest of levels. And that's part of the whole beautiful conversations. So when I think about job and I think about leadership, bring it back to how do you rate yourself on each one and then be honest with yourself and ask a few people around you that are going to be honest with you. Don't go ask your mom who's going to tell you that you're amazing at what you do, right? It's like when people create a new product, they're like, dude, my parents love this, right? I'm like, my friends tell me I'm going to be, a, it's going to be amazing. Or I write a piece. Like, I get it. Yes, they do, right? Go find the person that you're avoiding naturally because they're actually going to tell you the truth and you actually just don't want to hear it, right? And so if you just, if you get in the habit of going to the people that are always going to tell you the truth, even though here, look, that's the whole point of what I said in the very beginning of the story was, I didn't like hearing it because I made it personal. I was like, wow, this, this event is personal. And then when you stop and reflect that it's not personal, it's, it certainly feels personal, but it's not. It's just a moment that's there and you get to experience it. I get moments and experiences feel different. Making money in, in a business or in a month feels, that's a different experience than losing money, right? Engaging in a conversation that's really enlightening is a different experience than one that's not, right? It, all of these things feel differently. There's no denying that, but they're all part of strengthening your soul. And that's the, the whole point of why we use business as a conduit. So when you're rating ourselves in job and our leadership, work through where you're at and what you're doing, ask some people for guidance, and then create a plan of each one. Now, if you want to improve both, that's great. I would pick one for the low-hanging fruit. If one's a six and one's a one, start with the one, right? Um, just pick one where you start. And then but the key is to get feedback. Okay, okay. So if it's leadership, Remember, leadership is about self-leadership. It's about leading yourself first. So what books are you reading? Um, what are you doing to strengthen mindfulness, right? Just what are you learning about that? What are you doing to learn about how other leaders lead? How do you, what are you learning about yourself so that you can become a better leader? Have you taken behavioral assessments? Have you studied those things, right? Have you, have you really sat down to take time to cast your vision? for yourself first. I'm amazed. I, I was on a call yesterday with a very, you know, high level CEO and, and they, again, I was just, I was like, look, I think you need to stop and go this weekend and take time and figure out where you're actually going. Because the reason why you're struggling with me right now is because you don't know where you're going. And I just paused and they're like, you're right. And I, and I said, yeah, you see that. And the thing is, it's not like this person's not successful. It's just, they haven't stopped to be right. It's, it's, we got to stop doing and being, and being doesn't mean you lie down and just kind of lay there. Being means you be with yourself to understand yourself. And as you do that, you'll start to gain a deeper sense of clarity for what me, what matters more in your life. And then you start making better decisions based on that. So that's what I mean on leadership is self-leadership. It's all of these things, whether that's a journaling, whether that's your meditation, all of these things support it. But however you get there, I don't care, right? And it doesn't matter to me as long as you're working on those deep questions about it. And as you work on these, you get more clarity, you get more vision, you have more understanding of these things. Uh, and then you can kind of put an action plan together for all of this in terms of leadership. If it's your job, okay, what's specific on your job? Maybe there's training specifically on your job. Maybe there's time management that you have to work on in your job. Maybe there is, you know, not clear standards in your job. Again, all of these things, you sit down and create these action plans so that you can improve this. And then you measure it, right? In the next 30 days, where do I want to be? How do I want to do this? But enjoy the experience of you creating all of this. And that becomes part of it. And so bringing this to yourself um, as an individual, as to whether whatever position you hold in an organization or a company or wherever you're at, kind of looking at those two different leaderships. By the way, I would even bring this into, um, uh, I was having this brief conversation with my, with my wife yesterday about 
the job and leadership and motherhood because it's such an important aspect of this is like there is this part of you that um, and I'm certainly not a mother, but I'm a father about there's a job of being a father and a mother, right? That you have to do. But then how do you bring the leadership part of being a mother and father into this conversation? And I share that story about like, hey, you know, your thoughts aren't real. That's kind of, to me, that's like the leadership aspect of wrapping that into a conversation. But yet I was there this morning reading to his class. And, you know, when, when a, one of the students wouldn't raise their hand while I was reading to him, the second time they asked the student to step away and sit in a different chair. That's job specific, right? Like, so like somebody's not performing in it and they move them for it and it's job and slash leadership. So this doesn't just end in one part of your life. There's, I got to drive my kids this. I have to make their lunches. That's kind of more of the functionality of the job. But then how are we doing on the leadership side? I think a lot of us in terms of parents, I can speak for myself anyways, we get caught up in the job aspect of, of our parenting, right? And we forget the leadership side of it. Like every angle that we're, every part of us is working through this job part of trying to get our kids to bed. They tell us they're scared. We don't just say no, talk, stop for a second and talk to them about how to lead themselves, how to work, use the tools that you have as a leader to walk them through how to no longer um, rely on you for needing the tools because you give them to them and they can embrace them for themselves and it's stuff they can do it. You know, there's this new science that's out there that's pretty amazing. And that is uh, all about, you know, about mindfulness. And mindfulness is such a, one of these concepts like, oh yeah, I'm mindful of this. I'm mindful that I'm, that I'm aware that I'm walking. I'm mindful that I'm listening to this podcast right now. I'm mindful of this. Yes, that's part of it. There's only one mindfulness, but there's a deeper sense to this mindfulness, right? There's a deeper awareness of realizing that you are the awareness of it all, right? It's like people are so caught in this stream of thinking that it's like, if you give the analogy like, you know, a, a river or a massive river overflowing these, you know, big, huge falls, these falls that are rolling over the river. You know, like in the, if you get this example, the, the, the water flows over the falls and like there's a depression that you can stand on very easily behind the falls. Well, if you think of the river flowing over as your thoughts, most people are standing underneath the waterfall, just being hit and bombarded with all of these thoughts at all times. So we become the stream of thoughts or thinking. Instead of realizing this kind of whole seat of awareness of just realizing that you're not, you can sit back behind it. Because remember, the stream is always going to be flowing. The thought stream is always going to be there. You have them, I have them, people don't ever want, there's some thoughts that you're like, I don't want everyone any to hear those thoughts that I ever had. They're like, and you're like, they're not my thoughts, they're just there, right? That's that constant stream flowing over there. But there's a spot you can get behind this flow of, of thinking, of thoughts coming in. That's this little depression behind it where you can still see the experience, the, you know, maybe some drift from the water coming onto you. You can experience that, but you're still behind it. Just understanding that you're not your thoughts, right? That's kind of the mindfulness, the deeper level that you can kind of experience of just being aware of your of awareness that you're watching your thoughts in all these cases. And as you get involved with that, both you as a leader and both you and your job have this sense of clarity because you're no longer getting pounded by this waterfall just trying to survive. You have an ability to stop and start to experience the larger, grandiose scene that you're overlooking instead of closing your eyes because you're getting pounded by the water. If you ever stood underneath a waterfall, you understand what I'm feeling from that. So that's just kind of like the separation from that, the mindfulness. Well, anyways, what I was going to the whole story was there is this kind of cool science that's talking about 
look, I think mindfulness is catching on so much because there's science that's, that's grounding people in the Western society. I mean, look at Chinese and Buddhism, they've been practicing this for hundreds, you know, thousands of years, right? And now they're bringing this over and it's because it's being grounded in science. And there's this really neat science that are out there that your organ, is, your brain is the organ of experience. And they're having these, these studies done now as we talk that are basically like understanding that you as the organ, as your mind, as for the, the organ of experience can actually change the structure of your cells based on the experience you're having with your mind. And that's like, that's where this is, all of this is headed, which is why mindfulness is starting to come up in all of these conversations in military, in schools, in businesses. Everyone's throwing that word out there. Mindfulness is not a state you try to achieve, like, achieve, like we're so Western, right? I'm going to get to mindfulness, right? It's not. You're already in it. That's the little secret. And when you uncover who you are and you ask those deeper questions, it's not something, a place you get to. You're already there. You're just moving away from the falls that are pounding you so you can actually see it. And that's how, that's what mindfulness is. And when you get to that level, you start to experience, but now they're grounding this in science. Like they can actually, with all these tests that you can see, they can actually change the structure of your molecules and your cells based on the organ of experience. And I think that's where we're going the next 20, 30, 50 years of bringing this to a place in society. A little bit, not necessarily to do with job and leadership, but I just wanted to wrap that up. How he's looking at me like laughing, but just wrap that all into it because if you can understand that conversation, even just a, a little bit, or even just follow the analogy that you're constantly getting pounded by all these thoughts and thinking uh, that mindfulness brings in there. Because if you don't have the mindfulness, then you can't realize that the situation in front of you is not personal, right? Um, and then when you realize that it's not personal, it gives you the opportunity to solve the problem. And in business and in motherhood and in fatherhood and in life, we're encountering nothing but puzzles or problems every single day. So I just want to give you the tools and the awareness and the techniques so that you can step outside of that and solve the problems faster so you can advance and grow at a much higher rate. Hey, if you like this episode of Business Meets Spirituality, make sure to subscribe to this podcast before you go so you don't miss future episodes. Or visit our website, adamhergenrother.com. That's H-E-R-G-E-N. R-O-T-H-E-R to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget, never give up on joy.